Hey guys, and welcome to the Jesse Complete Podcast. Here we've got Stephen Fawcett, Jack Corfoy, and myself, Kyle Clark, and we are going to be discussing all topics on fitness. So today's topic is how uh, lifestyles differ or can differ um, and affect your approach to training. So let's get started with you, Steve. Yeah, What's your thoughts uh, on this matter? Yeah, the, the, it's, it's probably what we kind of come across in terms of questions uh, and issues the most with our individual athletes and also all the, all the guys that are following the competition program. Um, and I think it's, it's uh, a topic that's kind of confused and kind of muddled up across the whole of the competitive industry. Um, you know, everyone like wants to follow their idols and do what they're doing. Like, you know, back in the early days of CrossFit, everyone just followed uh, Fronin and just tried to kind of replicate what Fronin was doing, um, and that was just the natural thing. And um, as the sport, or as um, uh, yeah, as, as CrossFit has progressed, um, and the level of competition has got to the point where we're kind of like near like maximal of like human potential, like physical potential. Um, you know, those you know, the changes and the, the lifestyle changes and the lifestyle differences um, are, are becoming a big factor, just as it is in any in any sport, in any professional sport, you've got professional athletes, you've got full-time athletes, you've got um, you know, semi-professionals, and then you've got kind of um, athletes or, you know, whatever they are going to be called, if it's football, if they're football players that do it more recreationally, but still take it serious. Uh, but it's more more of a recreation level and then it kind of comes all the way down to, you know, the, if, it, if it is football that we're talking about, we've got your professional footballers, you've got your semi-pros that are in the lower tier of the, the divisions, you've got your recreational that play on a Saturday and Sunday, and then you've got the people that just play with the mates on a on a fiver side or something, and um, it's 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 that that kind of gets a bit mixed up sometimes in the CrossFit world. Is highlighting kind of like what your situation is in terms of your lifestyle and your uh, and your level, and you know what you should be doing. I think if you asked any any recreational footballer to do what a professional full-time footballer is doing someone in the premiership they turn around and say no chance but yeah in CrossFit we still get people who are doing it recreationally trying to do what the full-time on that what about um if a athlete or someone like in football you you have to be scouted to get good enough or move up leagues yeah as a CrossFitter someone can just literally go I'm going to try and be an elite athlete um, and then they sacrifice so much. So where's like, how do you know if you should maybe take that jump? Or I know you're talking about based around lifestyles and that, but what about someone that hasn't got that chance? Really, is it, are they going to make that top level? Because um, there's no one telling them, no, you can't do that. Everyone just thinks they can. I'm sure a lot of people just go, I'll give up the job today. I'm going to be a CrossFit athlete. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? Do you know, the football thing, you're, you, from an early age, you're either going to be a footballer or you're not. Um, I'm wondering, like, what is there any sort of cut-off point where people should go, no, this is where I'm at. 
I should be doing this with my because of the lifestyle I've got, not just give everything up and go for it. So the amount of people that have probably come up to myself and Steve and said, I'm go I want to go to the CrossFit Games, like, can you get me to the CrossFit Games? Like, it's definitely more than two hands, the, <laughs> the amount of people that have come up to me and, oh, like, said that. Yeah. Um, and first of all, you've got to be realistic. If you're mid-30s and you're starting CrossFit, like... Yeah. You, not. You're not you're not going to the games. Let's 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 be honest. Let's be brutally honest. You you're probably not going to go to the CrossFit Games unless you've done a sport previously at a very high level, um, like rowing or cycling or whatever else, and you've got you know a very high athletic potential already. Um, obviously, for younger people um, that are kind of coming up through teens, there's more of a opportunity there for them. But obviously they've still got to balance that with their education and everything else. Obviously in football, there's the opportunity to still kind of, well, be almost professional or pretty much professional and do your education at the same time. I'm not 100% sure how the football system works. Steve probably knows <laughs> a bit better than me. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's, it's um, if we compare, I know we're comparing to football there, but if we compare to an individual, another individual sport, let's just say um, tennis, individual and tennis, like you create, you have to create your own opportunities through your own performances. Mm. Um, so, like, you know, again, I don't know how the full um, tennis kind of systems work, but I'm sure there's local competitions that you have to win to then get to qualify for national competitions. Yeah. Uh, once you, you know, you go, then you go into a ranking system and, um, yeah. and then off the back of that, you can then earn uh, an invitation or you, you earn the, the rank to be able to then qualify for um, you know, European or international competitions. And it's the same, it's the yeah. same in CrossFit there where, you know, you kind of have to, the, the rank, the ranking system is kind of like the open. Uh, which will then give you the the other opportunity to, the opportunity to go to a sanctioned event, um, and then and then you get your your opportunity to try and earn your right to get to the to CrossFit Games. And there's all the kind of like local other competitions, um, you know, like your like your anal trials and your your bits and bobs battle for middle grounds. You know, there's plenty of them, plenty of them around the country, um, which. You have to do the qualifiers for, and you have to earn the opportunity yourself. I know in football, you, you can you can be the best football in the world, um, but if you've not got that opportunity to, you know, play in a club, then you you're so right there, Steve. So I, before CrossFit, I did sailing, and you obviously came up through it as a teenager and everything else, and. Like you say, you did your local competitions first. If you were good enough, you got on like the regional squad. And then you did your national competitions. And if you were good enough, you got on the national squad. And then if you were good enough, then you competed internationally. Um, obviously, when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, be as good as I can. I'd like to be Ben Ainsley or who else. Um, but if I was like, you know, kind of just your regular sailor, I'm not going to be like, 
I'm not going to come into say it like the clubhouse one day and be like, I am going to be the next Ben Ainsley. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like CrossFitters do have this. Some yeah. some people do have an unrealistic expectation that like they're going to make it happen. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why you do it as well. I don't there's, there's actually. Um... I, I actually believe. Do you know what I think it is? Because I think that no one else tells them any different. No one else. Everyone says, "No, you can. If you put the hard work in, you can go to the games." So I actually, I think a lot of coaches do say it to people. There's, an, of, there's an early video of. Um, it's just like a compilation video of, of the games, and Fronin said it. Fronin said something. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was just like. You don't get, um, you know, you don't get someone start throwing free throws and say, "I'm going to be in the NBA next year." Mm. Like it's you don't you don't get that, but you get people in CrossFit saying that, and I don't think people appreciate the time and the effort and the lifestyle, which we'll get into, which is you know, yeah. the what we're about. how yeah. you have to kind of like pan your your life around getting to that top level um, because it's so. Because you can kind of do, I guess you can do it in, in any sport, but because you can do what they're doing at the games in your home gym or, you know, in the, in your local gym, um, you feel like you're closer closer to being able to do it. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, it's just another one of those things that it's a, it's a young sport and I don't yeah. think, like... Ten years ago, you could probably do it. You could probably train for an hour, for a for a year, and if you did have a bit of a, a background in, um, you know, a good a good athletic background, you could probably get yourself pretty close to the games, or even you know, be there. Um, but the way that it's developed over ten years, you know, guys are snatching one thirty plus, girls are snatching ninety plus, and being able to run. You know, six-minute miles, if not if not quicker. Um, you know, and all the all the complex gymnastics movements. Um, you know, ten years ago, the guys were probably snatching ninety plus, mm-hmm. and the girls were probably snatching forty-five or fifty. It's, there's a there has been a big change, and um, it's it's no longer just something where the you big Yeah, you can't just decide. It has to have come. Um, there, is, there are a lot of factors. There are a lot of factors going to it. Which probably what you're going to go through now with the lifestyle. What? Yeah. How? So, the way the way I look at it. So, um, you have to first of all, like we we kind of touched on on, on last on the last podcast we did. You have to identify exactly like where you're where you're at in your life in your lifestyle. Um, you know what you've done previously. What you plan to do. Um, like what have you got going on now um, and like just what are, your goal, what are your goals basically and what do you want to achieve um, and to me there's kind of and we can use the football example with the full-time professional athletes and the semi-professionals and then the recreationals and so your full-time athletes are you probably going to be you, you know they're probably only the top five to ten men and fe- male and female um, like in the world, I would only say that they are, you know, there's very few athletes that can just be full time, tr- like wake up, train, like everything revolves around training and competing, and they don't have to worry about working. It's still, there's still a very 
small amount of athletes. Um, you know, most even who have been to the games three or four times are still having to, um, you know, take classes or PT or you know provide some kind of work or if it's if it's CrossFit or fitness related or not, they're still having to gain some form of income because you know what they receive from sponsors or prize money just isn't enough to. Um, you know, it might be enough for that moment in time then to keep them going, but you know, if they stop competing next year, then then they've got, yeah. you know, they've not got a great deal. Um, so most athletes will have like some form of lifestyle stress, whether it's work commitments, um, family, um, you know, something that's non-trainer related that will be adding stress into their life. Um, and then, then you've got your training related stress as well. Um, so it's actually, I've actually, I drew a diagram so I could, um, understand it, well not understand it, but be able to help others understand it uh, a bit better. It's actually a bath. If you're on the YouTube one, I've drawn a bath. All right. So if you listen on, on Spotify, if you imagine... Um, imagine there's a bath, okay, and every, everyone's uh, everyone's bath size is different. Everyone, they all, all bath sizes are different. Some hold more water, some hold less. Um, and you've got two taps of water going into the bath, and you've got on one tap you've got all the training-related stress. So you've got volume of training, intensity of training, frequency of training. Um, just the, the general CNS loading and anything that's kind of um, encouraging the sympathetic nervous system to, to get fired up. So, you know, just your your day to day, your physical your physical loading and, and the mental loading that you that's everything that's basically just training related. Okay, and you've got that coming all out through through one tap and filling up this this bathtub, and you and the bathtub is is uh, in effect your body and your central nervous system. Uh, and then you've got another tap, which is like I mentioned before, the, the lifestyle stress. Okay, and there you've got your work commitments and and the work responsibilities that you have, and then your family commitments, and you know, if you've got kids or elders that you have to look after or pets or stuff like that. Um, and that's also could potentially be more sympathetic nervous system. Um, so you've got those two taps just firing in, uh, firing in stress, firing in load into the bathtub. Um, and the body can take so much of that. Okay. And if you've got, if you have the training, you have all the training stress and you have all the lifestyle stress, then there's going to be a point where, um, the bath gets to like an optimal level that you need to kind of like manage, um, and then there's also you've got your sinkhole, which is uh, where the water's the water's flying out of the bottom of the bath, um, and that's just what you're doing to recover, what you're doing to recover from the stress that you're putting into the bathtub or putting on in onto yourself into your body. Um, so whether it's you know the three main things are going to be nutrition, hydration, sleep, um, you know to help that water run um, smoothly out of the bath. 
and then you're on stuff like how many rest days and recovery days you're taking. Are you going through deload weeks and like an off season where you can fully just kind of like take a little bit of the take take the training load, um, you know, reduce the amount of water coming out of that tap. Um, are you doing stuff like your relaxation and meditation and just just generally stuff that's encouraging your parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system? Um, you know, just stuff to just stuff to relax and recharge. Um, and like I said, there's an optimal level for everyone. Now, if we take the full-time professional athlete, and you think about those, you think about all the training stress coming out of the tap um, on the left, and all the um, lifestyle stress coming out of the tap on the right. They've got much less lifestyle stress add into that bathtub than someone who is doing it is is doing crossfit recreationally um you know someone who has a business to run someone who has a, um you know a wife or a husband and, and kids like they've got much less so so now there's less water going into their bathtub which then they can make up that extra water with what's coming out of the other tap in training so they can then handle more training load and more stress and they can afford to do more sessions per day they can because they've got more they've got less going into the bathtub from other areas so the recovery is just the same so if you've got a full-time athlete who's doing um 25 hours a week training and doing zero hours of um you know there's zero time or energy uh coming from lifestyle stress and then you've got a um recreational athlete who's got 10 hours of training and 15 hours of lifestyle stress that's the same amount of stress that they're taking under and and you know stress is stress it doesn't matter where it's coming from it's stress on the body um so the the issue then becomes when that recreational athlete sees their idols who are the full-time athletes and who they want who they would like to get to but they're not quite fully seeing the bigger picture and then they up their let's say it was 25 hours in total of stress, they up to match the, the full-time athletes and then suddenly they've got, you know, loads of water going into this bathtub and then it overflows and and uh, the bathroom's flooded. What um, about if, um, let's say, a recreational crossfitter has no, the only stresses they've got is a job. Um, how do you, is it, how do you bridge the gap from them to becoming a, Obviously, with more training, they will get better. So then they would have to reduce in like their job exactly. Would they, you know, the hours they put in for their work? Is that what we're saying? So, in brutal honesty, you know, if you want to be going that far, it's like, do you need to be? Yeah, I think it was losing that. I mean, I could use I could use my example of, of myself. It comes in kind of stages. Um, and it's kind of like you've, you've kind of got to be performing and, and living the life at the level, a level higher than what you're currently at. Um, so I decided in, year, in, the, in 2013 to 14 to stop personal training because that was an extra 15 to 20 hours a week where, you know, I was on my feet, you know, it's quite active and it's quite draining, isn't it? And, and, um, it was just taking away how much I could recover. 
Um, so I dr drastically dropped those hours, still did a little bit, but drastically dropped them so I could recover more and train better. And take notice, to it's not, it was not to train more, it was to recover more and train better. And then once I could tr train better and I could manage it, um, then I could think about training more um, as well, as long as I was still recovering just as well. Um, so it was kind of like a gradual thing. And then only then when my kind of performance followed and I could see that there was progression coming and, you know, I was, I was getting closer to, um, you know, reaching my goals. Could I um, justify completely stopping personal training and taking all of the hours away? Um, and it got to the point in 2014 where that's, that's the decision I chose. And all um all kind of like my working load was just based on um you know running the gym and teaching classes which is still quite um you know a decent amount but drops the amount of class as well but still running the gym did you ever feel any stresses from money or both of you i mean did you both is it because i think that's going to be a most factor for most people isn't it like it's obviously the money money is going to be coming into that issue um which is obviously we all need money to live and we can't live that. Perfect yeah. Life. And that's, that is, that is also kind of, um, another area in the industry where it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a gray area. And again, I think it's cause it's still so young. There is more sponsorship coming. There was definitely next to no sponsorship available six years ago. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to, um, sign three contracts which you know they were 250 pound each and one of them was to get to get free food um which in essence is was money because otherwise i would just be spending them like it was essential stuff that i needed i would just be going to tesco's down the road and buying the food anyway um so for me that was that was kind of like the when i got offered that that was enough for me, then me to step back from any work and kind of accept this money coming in yeah. uh, and it was enough for me to like I was I was fine with the fact that I was just having enough money to pay the bills get me by and you know so I, you know I was young and I could put my life into training and you know I got the rest of my life ahead of me if I needed to earn, earn money um, that is that whole kind of earning money and being able to train is still like I find that athletes want to earn more money than they need um, just to, to get by. And they've got to kind of accept that there's going to be a time where, you know, you're going to be kind of scrimping by on bits and bobs just to accept that you can put the, um, put your time and effort into training because it'll eventually, it will come, it'll come when the performances come. Um, the tough thing then is obviously that's an extra stress added to you that, you know, you're having to juggle yeah. budget and, um, yeah. Ask Jack, how did you deal with that, Jack? Of, um, if you decided to obviously complete a high level, did you feel any stresses? Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, my first move to kind of becoming maybe like a semi-pro uh, CrossFit athlete was actually going to work at JST. Um, so I jacked my 
jumped my job in, which I wasn't kind of too happy doing anyway. And I did want to kind of go into fitness, get into coaching and everything else. Um, and it meant I could train more. Um, within a year of doing that, I qualified for, for regionals because obviously there was, I could train, I could actually do more training because before that I was only kind of training once a day. Um, yeah. And then after that kind of first year um, of making regionals, uh, that's when it's like, right, I actually, I did pretty good um, considering, you know, I've only had one year kind of um, training properly or training a bit more, you know, maybe mm -hmm. like these other good athletes are. Um, so then that's when I was like, right, you know what, I'm going to um, kind of cut down on the PTs and the coaching a little bit more and try and push on and see, you know, see if we can get better. And then two years later, I was kind of just outside of qualifying for the games. I, I was finished seventh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, it, you kind of you kind of end up doing it in steps but like Steve like Steve said you've got to be living at that level above what you're currently at um because that's the only way that you're going to make that next step yeah on that, so understanding the stresses will help out a lot more. Like accepting that stress, I suppose, if you like. Um, but you are going to be gradually building. It's not going to be like a instant thing that happens overnight. Because um, obviously, we're talking about the what goes in and coming out sort of effect that Steve's going on about. Um, if someone, if people are out there thinking, "Oh, I might reduce my hours," it's almost they've got to accept that. That's yeah. going to be some sort of stress. That, that's that's what I mean. Is that both of these taps can be, you know, turned up or turned down. Um, so there might be things where, like, like I said, there's an optimal level for everyone. Like some people like the bath at kind of like nipple height. Some like it up to the neck. Some like it down by the waist. But there's an optimal level for everyone, and you'll know the optimal level because, you know, you're sleeping well, you're performing well, you've got good energy, good mood. There's going to be times where you kind of it comes comes a little bit higher, a little bit lower. But as long as you kind of like in and around it, then you, your body's going to be able to adapt uh, better. And like I said, both taps can be can be turned up or down. And if like the lifestyle stuff for most people, they're not in a position to be able just to switch some of them off. Like you can't just say, right, I'm not looking after my kids now for the next six months. <laughs> I want to go to the games. Like it's just not that's not a negotiable thing that you can that you can do. So the training the training tap needs to be adjusted so that you are staying kind of optimal. The intensities that you're working at, the volume, um, you know, the frequency of your training sessions, like they're the things that need to be adjusted to suit each athlete, um, so that you know they can be, uh, you know, adapting. And if you're at a point where you don't want to drop the intensity or volume too much and you, you can't adjust the um, the lifestyle factors, then your whole, like, you've got to be putting as much focus as possible onto recovery to make sure that enough of that, you know, that stress and that water is leaving the body 
um, to keep it optimal. And if you suddenly if you suddenly lay off the gas on all your recovery uh, kind of like protocols, then that's when that bath sub's going to rise up, rise up, rise up, uh, and overflow. So it is a kind of it's a constant balance of training load, volumes, and intensities, um, lifestyle, um, you know, stresses, and then what you're doing to recover from the, that that stress going in. Um, I think I for I think for the people that um, are maybe like 23 or 24 and they don't really have you know they don't have any kids or they don't kind of have any other stresses. Um, I think for those people, you need to get some results somewhere first. So as an example, like I didn't kind of I know I wanted to kind of push on to be a better athlete, but it was only when I did, you know, so well in the open and like qualified for regionals, that's when it's like, oh right, I can make this next step. Yeah. For other people it might be it might be like, right, I'm got to try and do the best in you know of the in the situation I'm in right now um can I qualify for a sanctionals right I've proved I can do that and kind of push on to that next level right I'm going to live at the, what this next level kind of needs now and I'm going to try and push on from there you can't just be like not going not making sanctions if you're not making like a sanctionals level as an example and you're you know you're trying to um you're going to train if you had made the decision to kind of train more i don't feel like you've earned it does that make sense yeah it's yeah. like being like five thousand in the open and then be like right i'm going to live like again yeah exactly yeah what well, uh yeah uh, i was just had a thought but it's gone out of my head now right. yeah i think <laughs> as soon as people like i i still i still struggle with the um you know balancing that optimal level like right now I've not trained for two weeks because there was a point in time where the bath overflowed about two weeks ago and that was just simply because uh, I've got a building extension going on at my house and the friggin builders have fucked off <laughs> so like that was suddenly it's like suddenly someone just put an extra tap on and it just like, they just you know the bath just filled up and there was a point in time where I was doing uh, one of the JST whiteboard workouts and I got halfway through and I just stopped and I'd never stopped in a workout before unless I was like hurt or something just stopped I was just like men mentally I was just not and and felt kind of physically drained to not be able to you know push hard in a workout and I just knew that I like I was just pushing myself like further and further and I was if I did go all in, which this workout was a hard one, 21, 15, 9, 15, 21, thrusts and burpees. If I did go all in and push myself there, then I would be, you know, I would be suffering and I'd be, I'd be tired and fatigued for a long time after it. So that was just two weeks ago. And, and since then, um, you know, I've took a step back from training. I've adjusted the amount of training volume in until I can get this lifestyle stress under control. Um, until like I'm I'm happy and the kind of like everything there is is sorted and then I can level things out again. Um, and like I said, that was just two weeks ago, and I should have should have probably have saw it coming or or um, you know realized that I was feeling kind of just like a bit stressed going into the session, 
Um, and I should have noticed from the sessions before hand coming up that my performance wasn't too great, um, that it was coming, but you know, um, it happened and it's something that, like you say, you're trying to balance every weekday year of, of competing. Um, and it does just take, you get it wrong, you have to get it wrong a few times before you get it right. No doubt. I'm sure Jack's been in the position where, um, his his balance has been wrong and, and his performance suffered and he's had to take a take a step back and Kyle I'm sure that uh, there's going to be times where where you've done it too and um, this is also kind of where I don't know if you want to touch on that before I move on any experience no, I, was, I actually thought that was a really good um, example you saying about because of the taps when you sort of, sort of identify that stresses that's where you could have at least where you were just saying like you turned one down to you know yeah, and one up sort of thing. Um, so it's like saying to people like it hasn't got to be that, that same thing all the time. It yeah. hasn't got to be this input from anything. Um, that's quite a good example of what you went through yeah. there. And that's again another reason we bring this. I feel like we bring this up all the time, but the self-regulation is something that me and Jack spoke about a long time before putting it into the program. Until we then and we were um and ahhing about putting the program, but then we just realised as soon as we put it in, we realised that it was just it was it was gold. Like as soon as we educated the athletes for the program about it, then it meant that the pro the the program that we were given could just be fitted to everyone's every different person's lifestyle accordingly. Um, so like the set ranges and the volume and the intensity ranges. Um, you know, there's there's so many different uh, examples we give of why why you might want to do that, and this is just another one of them. You know, if if uh, like for me getting back into training, there's still going to be a little bit of stress in the building, but I'll just start doing. I actually did one session last week, and I just did three sets of everything. And usually I'd do five or six, but I just did three, and it was enough, and it got me feeling you know a little bit better and kept me ticking over. Uh, whereas if I did six, I would have probably just kind of like been been a little bit too much for me to handle. Um, and you know, going forward when I get back into training, I can just start with with less sets, less intensity. Um, you know, and, and build it up and and balance that the the stress that I'm putting onto my body accordingly. And you know, up it when I feel it's ready. It's time to um, up it again. On the um, mindset talk, um, I'm going to use myself for an example. When I I sort of decided I was like, oh, I'm going to try and compete at a sanctional um, or a couple of years ago. And I think I put so much pressure on myself thinking about that for the last two years. And I've definitely suffered with, I mean, I've got a knee injury, shoulder injuries. I definitely thought I've had been that tap has been fully on and overflowing um what sort of mindset should you have in because you want to reach a goal and i suppose you guys have done it wanting to reach your goals but where i just kept on focusing so much on it i trained through so much other stuff i think i added more stress to myself and i think i caused my own injuries through that stress yeah so like first thing i would have looked at trying to set like when setting that goal of like being like right I'm going to go for a sanctional have a good idea of what what 
tools you need to get there first. So mm-hmm. say you need, you know, a 115 snatch and a 140 clean and jerk, you know, right, I need to get them first. As a rough guide on a 20-minute watt test, am I getting 300 watts plus? Yeah. Um, you know, as a guide, gymnastics-wise, am I doing 100 plus on the five-minute AMRAP test? Once them are kind of ticked off, then you can be like, right, pretty much at this sanctionals level now, this is the time to kind of, you know, really try and push on and and right, qualify for one. Um, so rather than trying to put that stress on yourself kind of straight away, is that plan in place for you to kind of tick off them things that you need to get before actually trying to qualify for it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know if to that. Yeah, I think makes sense. What Jack says there, it comes down to just kind of rather than look like sometimes looking at the big picture of like you know getting to a sanctions event or you know it used to be getting to regionals or getting to the games, it'd be, it's quite a big like journey to get there. So sometimes it can be quite you know it can be quite hard to deal with the amount of pressure and you know feel like you're getting closer because it such a big goal um, but like Jack said there just like breaking it down into smaller more more performance uh, based goals revolt like around you like getting you know is it five kilos that you need to put on your snatch or yeah. you know, ten more reps on a five minute AMRAP test or whatever it is and then you know breaking that down went like, once you know how much you need to improve breaking that down again um, yeah. so that's kind of like your, your training goals and um, like I said, I, th- I think most most sanctional athletes uh, they have a they have a job, but I wouldn't. I would say there's there's few that have a kind of full time stressful job. I mean, stressful like you know mentally or physically taxing job. Um, some will don't get me wrong. There will be some that can do it, and you know those are the athletes if they're there at a sanctional event, the young. They're dealing with. They're still able to, you know, do loads of other stress. Let's take Reggie for example. He's getting to Waterpalooza. He works thirty-six hours a week as a on a construction site. Like, just that's where if you turn that tap off, just and then you imagine how much more full his bathtub can get from all the training. Um, he can then then do like that's when you've got a serious athlete. But most most will kind of have a a bit of a balance of both. At sanction level, so you need to kind of then, you know, identify your balance and does it kind of fit in with, you know, the other athletes that are there that are able to qualify. Um, the the other thing I'd add to to that as well is uh, when you said Kyle, when you said um, right, I'm going to try and qualify for a sanctional. Yeah, had you done any kind of national competitions before that and come like on the podium at them no um, it was literally i literally just decided i was like i think i think my potential could get me to that and i thought i, I could do that um mm-hmm. so i just literally applied myself because I, mm-hmm. I didn't really have no one else telling me different and i just thought that's the way we do it and i applied myself to be that, and I literally went from scaffolding. I just stopped scaffolding, just started coaching. Like I got a few hours, and I just, I just changed it. But I think I just completely 
stress myself yeah. to a, in a poor physical state. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I'm not even really, you know, my shoulders are slightly getting better, but I'm nowhere near thinking I should come back to training competition style for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was progressive overload of myself. But also, like, I think it's good that you just gave that example, Jack, because it's actually made me think from, like, how I've maybe come back to this thinking, oh, my my lifestyle is, I am 32 anyway, but actually thinking maybe I should tick off little goals before I start adding that stress again. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, like, these national kind of competitions now, Obviously, the level of CrossFit has has got like it's got quite a lot higher the past few years, especially, and there's there's some decent prize money at these smaller competitions as yeah. well, like five hundred pounds, you know, a thousand pounds at some of them. Like, take take try and take a few of them before you you, yeah. know, you make it's, a step into to sanctionals. It comes back yeah. to the the example of usually football. Like, if you're a conference football player and you want to get to Division One. You need to win the conference, and then you need yeah. to win Division yeah. Two before you get to yeah. Division One. It's true. Like, it's in, so you kind of need to like go in the stages again, where you know you'll win something. Like, you do have to win before you can go on. Like, I know it's it's you put yourself in a in a competition where you feel what winning feels like, and I know that you're not going to be like satisfied with that, but you need to kind of go through that, and then and then the next one is like challenge yourself, but make it a realistic challenge where, you know, you can compete it, like in and around. And only until you've kind of got to the top of that division, do you then want to start looking on at the next one. And an example, again, is for in CrossFit, just the open regionals and games format. I know it's like the open sanctionals games now, but like for me, the first time I did the open, I came 180th in Europe. I uh, was lucky enough to be called into um, CrossFit Clitheroe's team for the European regionals and then and then but I was at that level I was at Europe I was at um team regionals level like I, I could mix it with the rest of the the people that were competing there and you know there's some things that I won and some things that I fall, fell behind on but that was my level and then I could see that you know it's held on the same weekend the individuals who were that step ahead um and you know that step ahead equated to 140 places in the open um, that I would need to catch up. So then it was, it was, you know, the open's great because you can see all the results of everyone. It's like, right, well, I need to be able to, you know, beat this score on this workout to get this level. And that, and just kind of using that as a, as, as a way of setting performance goals, like Jack said earlier, um, to kind of make sure that you are just getting kind of closer and closer. And then when you qualify for regionals, I think the first time I did regionals, I came uh, like 36th or something. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I was, I think there was 60 at regionals then. So I was in, I was at regionals level, um, but I was a long, long way off top three to qualify for the games. Um, and that, that process then was on repeat for another three years of, of working my way up that kind of those divisions so to speak um and the leaderboards until uh reach my goal and it's just the same whether whether your goal is rainhill trials um you know rocket category like first of all you might need to start in uh with the bottom one wood 
Wood and work up to Kennedy and then uh, Rastrick, if that's the right order. Um, like you need to go up in in those divisions. You can't just be at Wood one Wood one time and then expect the next time you do Reynolds, you're be up at Rocket. Like you just got to be like realistic goals will help keep motivation and take a little bit of the stress off. Yeah. Um, like that you're putting on yourself. Um, you know, unrealistic goals can can you know. You can start putting yourself under a lot more pressure than is needed. Um, yeah, definitely in that. Um, what about um, athletes' potential? Uh, did you, do you feel like? I don't know if this is going a bit off topic, but do you feel like um, people have an optimal performance level, um, and that's where they're going to be? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Def- level, physical level and I think um, you know some people can maximise that and get the most out of it um, mm. and some people don't don't get anywhere near it but some people don't want to get anywhere near it um, and then there's people that want to get higher than the level they can physically uh, get at um, I think a lot of that level is determined in um what you do as a in your upbringing in, in your um you know from when you're when you're born to when you're fully developed 19 20 21 years of age um you see everyone that's at the top of the game and let's we're talking about crossfit and top of the game of crossfit have been um competing or you know doing some form of high level sport which has increased the capacity to be able to uh, handle so, so that the training stress that they handle has less kind of um you know effect on the body so they can they can handle more and they, they can perform to a higher standard um you know fraser having been a olympic weightlifter and, and i'd only heard I think it was Elliot Simmons on Kratos Chat's podcast. We'd said that he, he used to be a cross-country skier, Matt Fraser, which I didn't realise. Really? We know that we know the VO2 maxes that um, cross-country skiers have got. They're some of the highest in the world. Um, so you know he's then he's then gone from before getting into CrossFit, being Olympic level weightlifter, and um, building the, the capacity that he has through cross-country skiing. So he's given himself a foundation. For his potential as, a, as an athlete to be absolutely huge, um, and I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure on Tia's background, but I'm sure she ran. Um, she's also competed at the Olympics, and well, she's I think she won Commonwealth gold, didn't she, in weightlifting? So again, we've got the both two ends of the the skill and the capacity threshold that are super high again. Um, which you know, it just it just backs up what we say when we talk about periodization and making sure that when we go into off season, we're working on skills and we're working on capacity and building that up to its highest possible before bringing it back together. And Tia and Matt Fraser are just examples of that over a lifetime rather than over a season. Um, and that, you know, any athlete that's at the top, look at the top ten games um, competitors. I know that Bjorgvin was a was a semi professional football player and he played every sport under the sun. Uh, hence why he's you know he's so talented and he can do so many different skills so well. Um, I played every sport you can even 
imagine and think of from when I was five years old up until 18, uh, which I put down, I, I put a lot of my kind of performances and where I got to as an athlete down to that fact is that, you know, I did so much and developed so much as a child and as a teenager um, that my capacity to be able to handle different, you know, different lows, different stresses and intensities and, you know, whether it was weightlifting, gymnastics, sprinting, changing direction, jumping, like I could, I could pick anything up because of the, the background that I'd given myself over that time. Um, surely everyone's, everyone's born with a genetic potential. Um, but I think that is mainly altered by, you know, what, what we do as children and teenagers as we, as we grow up. Um, yeah, I don't I think if you've got any input on that, Jack, but. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, obviously most, most CrossFitters that we know of that are at the games have had some high level or been at a decent level in youth sports that they've done. Um, I, I think probably the only uh, person that hasn't is Sarah maybe, yeah. um, which is quite interesting. But um, yeah, I, I do think there is, you know, people have got, everyone's got the ceiling that I think probably been uh, created that, you know, before they're 20 years old and when someone comes in into CrossFit at 24 and they're like, right, I'm going to games, it's like... yeah. Kyle, what was, what was your background before you started CrossFit? Uh, I've done football. I played uh, district level football. I had trials for like um, Southampton, Arsenal. I, I was young. I gave up when I was like 14, uh, 15, because obviously yeah. it was just, my lifestyle just changed and like, Obviously, going out drinking with young, oh, it's just crazy. Yeah. But, so, I mean, that, that, there's a. Go on. I was just to say that at that point there, she said you just kind of sacked off from 14 or 15 up until mm. when you started CrossFit was when we were, what, 20, 24? 24. There's 10 years there of where, you, where you've missed out of potentially, yeah. um, you know, developing your potential, potentially. Potentially develop your potential, um, <laughs> your ability to be able to, you know, get to higher level. Um, what's no, interesting what? as well is, um, let's take Jane Eady for example. She's, you know, she was an ex England international. Um, she played for Man City. She went away to America and did a scholarship uh, playing for Texas A and M, which is a good standard out there in, in America. Um, you know, represented the country. I don't know how many times, but quite a few times. Um, her capacity, as we've me and Jack have fully well uh, <laughs> uh, experienced, for for endurance and running and kind of just like anything that's relatively low skill and just requires you to kind of like work hard is is enormous. Um, and is that just is that a uh, a replication of what she's done there. If she's she's got to the highest level in football, then by doing that, she's just played football since she was a kid. Like, did she play hockey, netball, um, you know, and other sports, and build a bigger skill base, um, 
or if she just gone football and built whatever skills are needed and uh, capacity needed for football to the highest level. Um, I know Jane would be the first to admit that where she falls behind on a, as an athlete is just like the higher end skill stuff and like stuff like gymnastics uh, and anything like upper body in, in that sense, um, which has never probably needed to be touched um, in a career of football. Um, if she had, if she had some uh, background in swimming or uh, I don't know, um, what other sports we got? We got ho hockey, something that's a bit more uh, uses the upper body a little bit more. Like would that skill set she'd have going into something like gymnastics um, have increased, and would she find? Um, when she's training those aspects now in training um, with the with the gymnastics and Olympic lifting that she she would adapt to it quicker like, she, like she'll say she has she has to do a lot of gymnastics um, you know f frequently to keep it at the level she needs to to be and if she, she went to Australia for a couple of weeks and um, don't think she'd access to ring muscle ups or something for some reason and. Um, she came back and she could barely do them. Um, and it was a it was a running joke that we have is that she went before she went she could do five or six unbroken. She came home and she could just about do one. Um, and he said we left she left him in Australia, but it's simply she couldn't get that back to that skill level. And it was it because she had um, she just wasn't exposed to it as a kid up until the point she started CrossFit. Um, and it's interesting if, I don't know if, if you've thought the same about yourself, Jack, and, and you as an athlete. Yeah, 100%. With, uh, with sailing, it's just like, it's a lot of pulling, um, you know, pulling the rope in and out, letting the sail in and out. And I'm very good at, like, chester bars, legless rope climbs, yeah. like all that kind of stuff, really. Um, so it, it makes, like, complete sense. Yeah. Um, I've never had to do like anything that's kind of involved like kind of fast twitch or you know any kind of fast movements really um so when it's like comes came to like sprinting at the games I wouldn't say I was particularly good at or just like being a fast moving person in general I've always been like just keep moving at a moderate kind of grindy pace just like you know, slog it out really, and when I've come to CrossFit, it's just been, and yeah. the like, it's just been the same. Um, those are the so events, it those pulling, pulling yeah. events like the strong money type stuff and the and the sloggy workouts where you've always kind of excelled in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting as well is that sailing. I presume you sat you sat down all the time in sailing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you stand. You, I mean, we could get you to stand on one leg now, and I'm pretty sure you'd be wobbling all over the place. Pistol squats. You know, we're not, we're not pistol squats are something that you don't. Um, mm -hmm. You're not great at doing. You don't enjoy doing them. And, and is it because for a lot of your athletic career, you spent sat, sat down, down sailing? Yeah. Um, there's just another examples there of like what you're doing as a um, what you're doing as an athlete. Mm -hmm. what you've done as an athlete um, up until 
the point you start CrossFit where you're then going to get challenged on pretty much every skill going, sat down, stood up, you know, changing direction, climbing up ropes, lifting weights. Um, you're going to get challenged on it all and whoever, you know, the best athletes can do it all. Um, and I suppose that comes into where like even lifestyle people with jobs sitting down at offices, they might have been sat down for 10 years without even doing anything in this sport or, um, you know, like there's certain jobs out there that just are not good for sport anyway, are they? They affect it in that sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's again, where you, everyone who, and anyone's listening to this has, has got to identify what they've, what they've done, what they've done previously, what position are they in now? Um, and then they can, only then can they make and identify like realistic targets um, for them to improve if, if they want to improve. Um, but yeah, I, what I didn't touch on before was the full-time athletes and um, what can get, you know, there's, there's a big, um, there's always been a bit of a big debate, what's more important, volume or intensity? Um, and as people say that, you know, training, being able to train four or five hours a day isn't beneficial. Um, but the context is what makes, is what makes up the answer. And if it's a full-time athlete who can train five hours a day and they can recover enough to be able to continue to keep training and they're not putting the body like in too much stress, um, then why shouldn't they be training five hours a day? But it, it comes down into the, the, the demands of the sport, how much do they have to be able to perform when they're at a competition? Um, and obviously in training, there's going to be times where you're going to have to, you're going to have to um, you know, be able to do more in training, more volume, uh, because you're not replicating the intensity that you are at competition. So first of all, you need a higher volume of training higher volume of training in training and then when we say when we're a peaking athlete so when you work into competition the volume gradually drops and the intensity rises so that so that it would match that or be as close to as if possible um to that of a of a competition uh, and for full-time athletes like i said that training load and what comes in on on, on that tap can afford to go like to the top of the bath and come back down because there's nothing else that's going to go in through any other other tap. So they they you know they can use the model of like a super compensation where you kind of you chucking training stress at them. They're taking loads and loads and loads and loads and taking on as much as they can. And there will be a point where the you know the bath overflows and, and they fall to bits. But it's like managing that. And then as soon as uh, you kind of drop that load that's when you know the the body would adapt and and compensate and that's where the you know the top end performance performances will come and that's how a full-time athlete can can manage um you know can manage the amount of training volume they can because all they've got to worry about is that one tap going in and the the plug hole going out uh, and they'll be on the brink of getting like coming down with colds and, and flu and um, you know just like sniffles and just fatigue but because they can put the, the whole life is either training or recovery um, 
as soon as they sprinkle something from a, from a, a different angle, um, that's when it that's when it kind of uh, falls apart. So for the the recreational athlete, it's less it's less going through stages of like high volume training because it's pointless going through a high volume phase of training um, because they'll not be able to sustain it. They might be able to do it for one or two weeks, but it'll soon catch up. Like the bathtub will gradually get higher and higher and higher, and they'll be able to go higher, and the performance will potentially start decreasing until then it's too much, and then you know bath overflows and go get plumber in to fix it. Get the plumber in. So they they can't really do that super compensation model of just like overload, 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 and then relax. They just kind of keep got to keep it around optimal. Work on the movement mechanics. Work on the skill set of the of the stuff that the the weaker on, whether it's gymnastics, Olympic lifting, um, you know, and break those movements down like we do in the the open programs. Break them down over the season. Build the the elements of a skill up. Um, and then and be gradually in, increasing the their energy systems or improving the energy systems as they go, and then just bringing them together. And the volume, the intensity, it does go up and down across the year, but the general strain that that athlete is under, um, you know, it can't go super high. If it goes super high, then they fall into bits. Um, and that's kind of why, like, there's a big, uh, there's a big misconception of like we said at the beginning is that someone watches a rich throwing video sees him sees him doing four or five metcons a day and we've all done it we've tried then going away and doing it and living off peanut butter and uh <laughs> you know it, it doesn't work it doesn't work um it might work for him because you know at that time when he used to do it he didn't do anything you know he didn't have three kids he didn't have um you know a business CrossFit Mayhem and Mayhem Athlete and whatever he's got. Uh, and even now he probably has um, people running them for him. But there, there again is just a perfect example of uh, he got to that point in 2014 where he won it for the fourth time, the Games, where he, uh, I think it was not long after, it was around at the same time did he have a, um, the adopted a child. And it was at that point he he identified that he can't keep doing what he's been doing um, or he could, but then he'd been neglecting stuff in his lifestyle, his, his wife and his, his kid. Um, so he identified that and he, he identified that he could still compete at team and kind of not have to put so much volume intensity into training, but still be a decent, like still most more than most of us. Um, and he could balance the lifestyle factor as well, and, and that's where he's been um, for the last four or five years, uh, and he's happy with that balance that he's got. Um, I think you know it, it's quite wise for him to be able to identify that and make the decision, as he's probably one of the first to kind of make that switch, one of the first top athletes to make that switch, and that be based around the fact that he identifies that his, his lifestyle stresses um, would be adding to um, adding to training stress and it would be too much for him to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think if the throwing examples, the throwing examples is one. Yeah, a good, good example, especially 
um, to put it into perspective, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. Um, so everything, guys. Feel like we covered quite a bit on this. Yeah, like usual, we had a little bit of a detour. <laughs> Always <laughs> happens, but I think that's what makes it. That's, that's what it's about. <laughs> a little detour into other areas. Yeah, exactly. just step the foot in. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully everyone's enjoying uh, topics that we've that's covered. Good, yeah. and if there's any 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 of you GSC athletes that are listening, um, got any requests, then uh, drop us either a message on Fitter or... You know, comment on comment on YouTube, and we'll we'll pick them up somehow. Yeah. yeah. Just also, if anyone's got, if anyone's got like any further questions on them topics, drop them in the comments on on Instagram and stuff. And obviously, if there's you know a few little bits that we may have missed, like yeah, yeah. I feel it'll be good to, to it'll be good to in future to wrap up these podcasts with just like answering you know four yeah. or five questions that come in. So yeah. If, yeah. Like Jack says, if you've got any questions, pop them in and we'll uh, do our best. Just before we go, guys, don't forget to subscribe to the uh, Spotify account, if you haven't, and the YouTube account, um, so you can keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next episodes coming. Um, but apart from that, thank you for listening or watching, and uh, have a good day. See you later. See you.